Welcome back to the Event Buzz podcast and happy fourth, everyone. As events return, safety has been the topic on everyone's mind, no matter the industry, right? With a lot of events scheduled for their return this year, it seemed only fit to talk with someone who specializes in creating a safe environment. Our guest today is Alex Pollock, founder and CEO of Paradox Worldwide, Inc. He has over 18 years of experience as a first responder, holds an MBA in finance and international business, and is currently enrolled in an MPH program for healthcare management. In 2011, Alex discovered a void in the market of on-site event medicine. Thus, with help from his background experience and schooling, Paradox Worldwide was created. Hi, Alex, and welcome to our podcast. I've included a brief intro about you and your background, but could you still tell me a little bit more about Paradox Worldwide and what you guys do? Yes, sure. Um, So we provide um, on-site medical services, um, mostly geared towards the event industry. Um, So stadiums, music festivals, corporate events, um, anything where there's either a large amount of people or, um, you know, very high profile where you don't want to make a typical 911 call. Um, So uh, we started in 2014. Um, My background, I was a volunteer EMT. I went to medic school um, back in 2000, I started. And then I, my undergrad was in finance and my graduate degree, my MBA was in finance and international business. I graduated in 2008, right when the market collapsed. So I had a job lined up with a hedge fund that didn't really work out because they closed mm-hmm. right after I graduated. So I went to work in finance for uh, National. It was the second largest ambulance company in the country at that time. Wow. And I did want to ask, what made you like recognize this gap in the industry when it comes to you know medical professionals on site? Was there something specific or in particular that you remember just being like, hmm, maybe this is something. Yeah, so there was actually two times where it came up. Um, and and I, it's not when I started my business, but um, one was I was working, actually, I remember in Harlem, um, 901, and I was in the hospital and I saw a bunch of people in rave clothing. I'd never heard of a rave <laughs> at that point. I never knew about festivals. And I just, like, the emergency room was packed and I had asked one of the girls, um, like what's going on. And she told me about this big party on the Island, which I never knew what a rave was. Um, so I actually looked it up. So that was my first time ever hearing about the rave. Um, didn't know much about the medical, but when I worked in the finance department at the ambulance company, I worked in corporate headquarters and we get a lot of requests for ambulances, like a lot of ambulances to be standing by at certain events. And I was like wondering what this was about. And then I realized we were just doing a, they were doing, uh, you know, have 15, 20 ambulances standing by an, by an event and transporting tons of patients to the hospital, which is great for the ambulance company because they're able to bill the, the patients for it and get the standby rate. But, you know, it's not any type of definitive level of care. Or, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't work for the, the county, the city, the municipality. It overtaxes the system, the hospital system. It doesn't help the fans because they're spending a lot of money on the ticket to be at a show when they might not necessarily need to be at a hospital, they could get that type of treatment. Like even suturing, they could get it on site. Um, and it also doesn't just look good for the promoters because some of the things that they look at, even going from state to state is like, what were your numbers? What were your 
what was how many robberies were there, how many assaults, how many medical calls. And if they're like, maybe it also doesn't look good just to have that all lined up outside of your event, <laughs> you know, just waiting on call. I don't know. And that makes sense too. that. It would be a rave. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually funny because the culture has switched quite a bit. Um, actually in Europe, it's a little bit different. So it used to be like they people didn't want to see like the medical sign. They mm-hmm. didn't want to let anyone really acknowledge like, oh, there is a huge need for medical services at an event. So like they didn't have the big air star balloons up, you know, by the tents, they didn't have them like clearly marked. It was kind of like this hidden little secret, even yeah. though everyone knew everyone needed medical at music festivals, yeah, especially certain genres. But now it's like super prevalent. Like the first thing you see when you walk into a festival, is like this big red cross balloon. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah, it makes sense. And I did want to clarify before going further, because I was... I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a bad question, but so your paradox worldwide, that's throughout, you're available throughout the entire US or beyond into other countries or how does that work? Um, we're, we're mostly in the US. We have done some international things. We did like Shanghai Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some events for the W. They had, um, it was like the W hotels put on their own events. Um, so we did one in, um, uh, in, I forgot what states, I mean, what countries we did one in Spain, I think um, we did. We, we were in a few countries with like W hotels. It was, I think, called mm-hmm. the wake up. Um, we do do a lot of cruise ships uh, and destination festivals, but, you know, more like to Puerto Rico or, you know, wherever yeah, the cruise yeah. ships will go. And then they'll have like day trips and festivals set up on some of the islands. Okay. So we are technically international, but we're, we don't really like run big festivals outside the country. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. That's what I figured too. But um, I can see that being a question that someone might have. So I just wanted to clarify that right up, right on the bat. But, um, and then I obviously I have to ask COVID and everything. How has that been for you guys in terms of events? Cause we basically went from, you know, events every weekend to zero. So did you guys, I mean, see a shift in your services or the type of events you were working during this past year? So we actually covered, I think, the one and only festival in 2020, um, 2019. I mean, sorry, 2020. 2020? Um, yeah, we, uh, that was right the first weekend of March. So it was right when oh, COVID wow. was starting to become a thing. Yeah. So right after that, obviously, the first thing to go were large events. Yeah. And uh, that's basically, I mean, we actually took the name. It used to be Paradox Event Medical Services. Now it's just Paradox Medical Services um, because we actually, we went, jumped right into FEMA because we're based in New York and that's where the biggest outbreak was in the beginning. So we dumped all our resources into FEMA. So I even like worked as a medic on an ambulance for Mm -hmm. FEMA. Um, But then we had just a massive amount of resources like just personnel throughout the country because we just have so many festivals and different types of work. So we started doing a lot of COVID testing and COVID compliance for like the film industry, for fashion shows. Um, We do it for like, we did for some, had some government contracts and it's still going on now. And then we did um, a lot of vaccinations. So we did in Santa Barbara, we did at Javits Center, um, when they went, we started when they went 24 hours, um, we do in Jersey city. Um, we did it for some of the health systems. So we just like, 
we didn't run the entire operations. We just put our personnel inside. So they were always actually administering the shots. So it actually, the business grew like tremendously, like revenue wise, just because, you know, we did really, really big shows. So um, basically any magazine cover, I feel like that I saw this past year, I watched it being shot. Um, any show on TV that was shot, I feel like we were there. So yeah. that's awesome. That's amazing for you guys. Yeah, it's it's like literally like I watch a sausage being made of everything. Like I can't turn on the TV anymore. Like oh, I go, I know how this person acts in real life. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's cool. I did notice because I was looking at your social media and I noticed like that big switch. I saw that you guys were doing you know more screenings and testings and and COVID shots and. So at your events or at these big events, so you guys, technically you're doing like a health screening at the event, correct? Or is it just, how does that work? So it really depends. So like we just, one of our venues, our regular venues was NASA Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Islanders, I think made it the furthest in the playoffs of any New York team. So in the beginning, once uh, regulations and started shifting and lifting as the state became more and more vaccinated. Um, In the beginning, it was you can only come in with a negative COVID test, regardless of your vaccination status, um, a negative COVID test within 72 hours. Mm -hmm. So we were, we had, typically you would walk in to, you would get your search, your ticket scan, I'm sorry, your ticket scan, then your search, and then you would enter a building. Now they had one tent with like 18 of us standing there, taking a temperature. The next time was verification of your negative COVID test. The next step was then ticket and search. Then as they started easing restrictions, it went from, uh, you can have a negative antigen test. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. Um, a negative antigen test within six hours. Got and then it went to, you can have a, uh, you can have a verification. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, show a vaccination, a valid vaccination card. Um, uh, so then the temperature checks went away. And now it's still, since it's over 5,000 people and the state of emergency ended, <clears throat> so we resorted back to CDC guidelines, which mm-hmm. says anyone over 5,000 people, any venue that has over 5,000 people yeah. goes back to CDC. So now it's like still a verification process, but it's pretty lean. Okay. Yeah, I, I bring that up because, so I didn't know technically if, I, I wanted to get your opinion since you have the background in it about like medical records, because it's kind of a, a topic that comes up a lot when I talk to a lot of different promoters, because they're kind of unsure. Some do it and some are like, absolutely do not create a medical record. I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but um, I mean, the issue that's brought up is like violation of privacy, but also like record keeping. And there's a lot of different regulations depending on the state of how you keep a record. Um, a record of what? Like a medical record. Like I know you have to, like some people are like, you know, have you heard of the past, like health passports when you check into it? Yeah. Yeah. So like that, but um, I don't, I don't know too much about it, but one woman I talked to was saying how she tells all her clients like not to do medical, create these medical records because there's, there's a lot of regulations you have to follow. So, <laughs> Most people are concerned about HIPAA, which is the health, uh, health. I think it's called Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. Mm-hmm. I think it was in 1996, I think, 
that's when it was enacted. Um, and that was about the transfer. I'm sorry, my phone keeps ringing. I don't know how to shut it. So, <laughs> You're fine. Um, that is, um, that, that was because medical records were going digital and they wanted to protect it. Um, there are certain things that you don't need to protect it. Keep the records, obviously, like treatment payment. It's called TPO, treatment payment and operations. So like if you want to get reimbursed, if your insurance want you want your insurance to pay for it, then they obviously, the hospital and your doctor has to release the records to your insurance company for them to reimburse you. If I'm a paramedic and picking someone up and dropping them off in the hospital, I have to tell them what I did in the field, how I found, how I found them, what medication they did, what I did. So there are certain things you could share. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to sue someone for HIPAA. Like, you know, obviously if someone has, you know, hidden conditions and you go around talking about it and your mm-hmm. healthcare provider, it's, but it's, it's not something that's very easily, you know, pursued um, or so. Yeah. And, and for, during the state of emergency, a lot of these things like taking temperatures, a building can say, we, we're not letting you enter because we want to take your temperature and it's a state of emergency. So I think, you know, having, um, you know, storing any patient information on, on file is a bad thing, but you also have to be a medical provider. So if you're not a medical provider and you're just asking for vaccination status, I don't see that being an issue. Okay. I don't know enough about it at all. Like I didn't even think about it until I started talking to other people and they kept bringing it up. So I figured you'd probably be the person to ask. There are some really big companies that want zero information. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure like Apple, Live Nation, like they don't want any information. And I don't want to talk for them, but like any, anything that could resemble patient information. Mm -hmm. But I think if you, and I don't know what the legalities behind it at all is, but mm-hmm. I think if you say we only want vaccinated people working here, which we get a requ- we get that a lot actually, where they say we just want vaccinated staff because the mm-hmm. audience is only going to be vaccinated, so it makes sense that the medical providers, even though technically we're supposed to be masked up, we're like the only like we're we're the only industry that still has to wear masks is the medical industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see how. It's yeah. an issue. Oh. No, yeah. I'm glad I asked you and got your, your side of it because I, I don't know. Like, it's all so new. It's new to everyone. So, you know, we're trying to figure it out. But okay, yeah, I wanted to bring that up about medical records. And then I do want to ask for our planners listening, what kind of like criteria would you want a medical site or staff on site? Like, would it be how many people are at your event or the type of event or does that make sense? So uh, that's a good question. So most of states have laws. Um, they're usually under mass gathering laws. So for example, in New York, if you have anywhere in the state of New York, if you have an event with where you expect 5,000 people or more to be mm-hmm. in the same spot at one time, um, then you have to file for uh, Part 18, which is a health permit. So, and this is to protect the municipalities like from you draining the local resources, right? So if mm-hmm. you just told, have 50,000 people at a festival and you provide nothing, no porta potties, no water, no police, no security, then everything falls onto a township and then you can't respond to or take care of your county. So there are laws, like in California, I think it's 2,500 people 
um, is considered a mass gathering, and then you have to apply for a health permit. Um, and it varies. So it varies from state to state. It varies from county to county. Um, so that's the first one is laws. Um, and then applying for the permit, depending on what type of event it is, you know, there are some states which have very, like, very, very specific spelled out um, requirements. So if it's from two and a half to 5,000 people, if is it 18 plus? Is it their alcohol being served? Is it 21 plus? Is, is it music or is it a wine tasting? Is it, you know, a, a TV show? Is it a marathon? And it, as you check the boxes, it tells you what resources you need to provide mm-hmm. in terms of medical. Um, and then there are some places like New York, which basically has very, very, it's, it's super subjective. So mm-hmm. if it's an EDM festival versus a race, it could be a total different mix up of what's required on site. And then there's the regulations. Like we have Formula E, which is next week in, in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and they have international, you know, it's an international racing event and they have their own regulations of what type of coverage they need, not for the public, for but for the, the sporting side of it. Mm-hmm. So we need certain types of doctors and equipments, God forbid, and if there is an accident, you know, extrication teams, things like that, but that goes with them from country to country or wherever they're throwing the event. Yeah. Um, and then the other part is if it's a super high profile event um, or very important people, you want to preempt any emergency. The last thing you need at a very high end fashion show or a big corporate dinner is, you know, calling 911 because someone needs a band aid or, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. or, the worst thing is even in a good situation, no one's showing up before, you know, nine minutes on a good day, you know, and someone's seizing on the floor, it's with, and people are paying a hundred thousand dollars for a dinner plate. It, it just, it's not yes. the best. Yeah. Yeah. So a, a lot of factors to consider when you're putting together your, your event. It's just something I think naturally people don't think about firsthand because, you know, but it's necessary I, to have that help there. And that's how we use typically not now anymore, but we used to get hired a lot when they would, um, something would happen. Actually, this happened to us two weekends ago. Um, all of a sudden everything was lifted and we got, I'm not joking. My phone rang every 10 minutes and they're like, where's our EMT? We have a patient. And I'm like, what? And they said, our EMT, like we're calling on the radio for the EMT. I'm like, guys, you last time you hired an EMT was 15 months ago. You never told us you're opening this week. And oh, you're like, wow. but we have a patient. And this literally happened like nonstop two weekends ago. And they're like, oh. so then we're like, you have to call 911, which they obviously, you know, doesn't look great for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we were like, okay, can you give us the schedule for the rest of the week and the rest of the summer? Like you're officially open. Like it just wasn't a call. So sometimes they hire us because something happens mm-hmm. or has happened in the past and there was no one there to call for help. Yeah. Um, and that, that happens a lot with yeah. how we get hired, especially in the beginning. I mean, it makes sense. You, you learn from your mistakes. So, yeah. and like you said, especially if your events, if tickets are expensive, you don't want to be calling 911 and having that happen. You want to be prepared. And then lastly, I did want to ask, cause I think this is a great idea, especially for people that, you know, might not necessarily want a uniformed like medical staff at their event or in certain situations is your ambassador program. Yeah. So the ambassador program is usually made up of um, 
medical students and nursing students. Um, it's basically, it's just an extra set of eyes um, roaming the field. They're usually dressed in very less, mm-hmm. in, you know, like tank tops. They're walking around, handing out water, you know, mingling with the crowd. They kind of know what to look for. We give them a little bit of a briefing but they're also less aggressive. Like they're not coming in with a uniform. It doesn't look like security yeah. or medical. So it's easier for people to um, relate to them because they're also, you know, in school and they might be in med school, but you know, it's still, they're in, they're in school, they're younger. Um, so they're basically on the same like level, just they're not partying, they're helping out. So it's great for them because they get experience to see how we work because they're, you know, out there looking for patients and sometimes we can't see everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just an extra set of eyes and ears that have some type of training, but not really. So, and it's a very soft approach. So yeah. we think of it as bridging the gap between, you know, medical security and the festival goers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'd be great for large events that are, you know, more relaxed. And that I wanted to mention that because I could see a lot of the people that we work with um, being very interested in that, you know, because they put on these big events that are a lot more casual and stuff. So having people go out throughout the crowd and like you said, being the extra eye is really important. And I mean, makes your job easier. But and looking through your website, you guys offer um, a good list of different types of services. So if anyone's interested that's listening and learning more, I'm I'll definitely link. Um, your guys' services um, below or attached to the show notes so they can go over and check out and see what works for them. Amazing. Yeah. And so that was it. I just wanted to ask you a few questions and learn a little bit more about Paradox and everything you guys offer. Um, if there's anything else you wanted to add to people um, for people listening that you know you think they should know about you guys. but um, Thank you so much for the interview. I don't think um, there's much more we yeah, no, I'll take everything. Sweet, so. Yeah, thanks. Yeah.